It's your Doc Master, Michael Ottolano, and you are listening to The Starboard. The guest for this episode is Doug Kistner, who's here to talk about his new musical project, Studio Deluxe, which features the likes of Glenn Burtnick, Joel Holkstra, Liberty DeVito, John Harrington, Elliot Randall, and Bill Champlin. Welcome aboard, Doug Kistner. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, sir. So let's talk about your project, Studio Deluxe, and how it all came together. What was your concept or what was the thought process behind this project? It sort of fell together by accident. I started recording my own tunes, you know, singing them and then putting them out as Doug Kistner. You know, as I'm doing it, I'm sort of like, I don't really want to be a solo artist. Really not something I ever really wanted to do. I want to sing. I want to play. I want to be in a band. I want to write songs and all that, but not really be a solo artist. And then when I found out that I'm getting Liberty DeVito on drums and Bill Champlin might be able to sing some parts on the song and it started to materialize that way, I said, well, this is really more of a project of bringing different studio guys in. And that's where I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do, because then it's really not like check me out. It's kind of like listen to what we're all doing. And then on the next song, I can get somebody else to come in and play. And that was sort of the idea of it. And it's really coming together because I got some people that I never imagined that I'd be recording with. How did you go about starting this project? How did you birth it? It really fell together by accident. I play with Liberty DeVito. He's a big reason why I kind of started it. Not that he knew that and not that I even knew that. But looking back, I was almost afraid to ask him if he'd play. You know, he's a legendary drummer, you know. I mean, I play in his band, Lords of 52nd Street. That is basically a Billy Joel band with the original guys from Billy's band. He liked some of the songs that I was recording and putting out there very independently. And and I said, well, I wonder if he would play on it. And I was kind of afraid to ask him. And he said, sure, let's record it at Richie Kanata's studio. I really like the drum sounds there. And yeah, let's do it. That's how it started. And then after we did that first tune, you know, we said, Doug, let's do another one. And also Bill Champlin. I just loved him in Chicago for so many years. And then I got into his other solo music. So once the two of them were kind of recording the second song with me, that's when I said, well, listen, this is going to be about everybody, you know, let me do this as a project. And both of those guys were like, the music sounds great. So it was really encouraging. And from there, when I asked other people, you know, Elliot Randall and so on, if they would be interested in playing on it, they were up for it. So you played with Liberty DeVito. Now, how did you onboard Bill Champlin? How did you get in contact with him? I met him many times at Chicago concerts and... I actually met him one time in the studio in New Jersey. A friend of mine was working on a thing with him, which was kind of surprising that he was in New Jersey recording. I don't even know if he remembers that. He probably would. So I met him a bunch of times. I contacted him somehow and sent him a couple of the songs that I had done without Liberty, you know, earlier on, which is during the shutdown. So it was a couple of years ago when I just started to write again and record. So I had sent him those songs. And he responded back with some nice compliments about them. Then when I was recording with Liberty on their door, I asked him, would you check out what I have so far? If you want to sing, I'd love to hear Bill Champlin lick on there or something. Maybe you would 
consider singing on it. So he said, send it to me. And he liked the tune. He didn't only sing a little bit. He sang like about eight tracks, all kinds of background parts. And he took the lead in the bridge. So the level that it went without him to what he added to it was just amazing. And then we went on from there. We're just kind of song by song, song to song. But now I've got an EP together. So just put it all together as more of a project than just individual songs. And it's just about to be released in December 2nd. The EP will be out. It's really for the audience that wants to hear music like kind of the Toto vibe or Chicago or Steely Dan or Doobies or, you know, that kind of older classic, a little bit of Yacht Rock, but it's new. It doesn't sound old to me. And they're new ideas, they're new songs. So just trying to reach that audience that has an appetite or, you know, misses hearing that kind of music. I certainly do it. That's kind of what's inspiring me to write the tunes or like, what would I want to hear in terms of the way the song structure goes or the change that you make, you know, or a chorus or it goes back to certain parts and unexpected things. And the music has a lot of energy. You know, the tracks really are cool. And... um it's a lot of good parts, and everybody adds so much to it. For your EP, how many songs are you releasing? I wanted to have four songs, but there was a glitch with having um, There's the Door because it's been out in my name. It was just a problem, so it's just a three-song EP. Now, for your EP, how did you go about recording this? I kind of have a process the way it's been working so far, and it's working pretty well right now. I have a studio, not my own studio. There's a studio, The Burn Room, with Mark Battaglia. He's in New Jersey by me. And what I do is I work up the song with him. We just grab a drum loop for the time being, you know, something just to find a tempo and something that sort of works. Very simple loop. And then I start playing guitars and keyboards and you do a rough vocal on it. And then I kind of work that up and, you know, find the arrangement for organ parts, piano parts, a string part, a, you know, whatever other sort of part that might be cool or needed or whatever. So then I've been taking that track, get rid of the drum loop and we record Liberty in New York, in Long Island at Richie Canada studio. So he plays along to the track that I built up and he's heard it already. He kind of knows the song. To hear it take flight from when he's playing on the track, instantly the level of the track just goes up tenfold. It just comes to life when he's playing on it. And then I'm actually adding bass later, or sometimes there may be a bass player there. Mike Todd played some bass. Malcolm Gold played some bass. So sometimes they'll do it after or sometimes with Liberty. Then the track is really cooking. Then I'll finish the vocal, maybe add some certain things. Or then there's other guitar players that are coming in to play solos. Joel Hoekstra played an amazing solo. Two solos, actually, on The Light Still Shines. His solos were fantastic. And he recorded at home. So I just sent him the track. And he played killer guitar solo. Same goes for Elliot Randall. And same goes for uh, John Harrington. And all three of those guitar players are so different. 
their tones were different, their approach were different, and it was so perfect what they did. And they really didn't have to redo it or anything. It was just, I didn't have to say, can you do that over? <laughs> it was just perfect. Those guys played. They sent me great tracks right from the start. So I really fell together with everybody. Now, those guys are all pros. They don't waste time in the studio because a long time ago, as you know, studio time costs a lot of money. So knocking out those tracks was very important. Some of them are one-take artists, meaning like they just knock it out. Where you have some artists go over and over and over and over and retrack stuff because they have the financial independence to do that. But when you have pros like Joel Holkstra going in there. Yeah, as for Joel, I knew that he was a great heavy metal guitar player. I knew he had all the chops, but he really impressed me with what he played on the solo. Because I said, can you play sort of like a Steve Lukather would play? And he said, okay, I got you. Okay. And then he did. I didn't really know him. So that was just sort of a guide. I said, you know, a little bit maybe like Steve Lukather would play on the song because he could do whatever you want. And I just loved his solos, both the middle and the end solo. You brought him in at the right timing because I don't know if you know this, but Whitesnake was on tour with the Scorpions and they had to cancel recently. I don't know if David Coverdale fell ill or whatnot, but at least here in the Seattle area, they had to pull out of their last show. Oh, I didn't know that. Your timing was impeccable on that move. How did you get in contact with him? I did a Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I think he knew of me because I did a tour early on and we do have uh, Chris Caffrey is a mutual friend. I had been in contact with him a long time ago, you know, about something that never materialized. So I think he knew me when I contacted him and I just told him about the project and said, would you maybe consider playing on it? And he said, yeah, I have time. I could do it. And he did it really quick and he's super busy. Let's talk about your debut single, Light Still Shines. Yep, that's the one that he played on. Bill Champlin, at the end of this tune, in plain English, singing his ass off. It's one of the coolest things that he's done. I mean, he's done. he sounds great on everything, really, that he does. I just love his voice. You know, he's amazing. Man, does he bring it on the end of that song. And he said he had a ball singing on that light still shines yeah and you'll hear him and he does cool parts answering me the whole time during the song in harmony like he's got a lot of harmony parts and he's got a big range he'll sing some things really low mid-range and then high too he's got a lot of range in his harmony parts and his vocal chops yeah, definitely. Let's give a little preview of the single Light Still Shine. Someone who knows, Someone who knows all, that you feel all that you feel deep inside your heart. When you feel like you're losing your soul, when you're feeling the loss of a soul, the light still shines.
anybody that's listening, you can tell this song is a rocking song. And so for me, in my opinion of Bill Chaplin, or actually it's not even an opinion, the way he performs on this specific track is a heck of a lot different than what I've heard him perform on recently and in the past. Now, he's very well-rounded as a musician, and I've heard him perform songs that are a little bit more comfortable. I've also heard him perform in Sons of Champlin, which is completely just intricate. But on your recording, he's bringing the rock edge to it. One thing about Bill Champlin is he's well-rounded as a musician. No doubt. I can't sing as good as he can, but we really do sound good together. You know, we just really do blend. And musically, the thing just seems to work. And the same with Liberty. Like, Liberty's drumming, he adds so much to what I'm doing. He really adds a lot of life, a lot of life to the track. I think everybody that's played on it, John Harrington's parts on Old School are really, really cool different i play a lot of rhythm guitar parts and i play some leads i can play a melodic lead and whatnot but um i could never sound the way he sounds i was thrilled to have him do it and you know we may play live i can't say for sure who would do it or what kind of gigs we would actually start doing but that may happen hopefully it will now the most recognizable musician on your recording that sounds similar to their recordings in the past is Liberty DeVito. Because he really turns up that energy with his drumming in your song. Actually, in both recordings, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. He really supported me as to keep going. And I really appreciate his support. Which leads me to the next single, Ain't Good Enough. What I'm more interested in is... How the heck did you find your audience? Because I see in August, you had almost 70,000 listens on Spotify. I mean, what is it at now? It's got to be at 100. It was getting played a lot. It died down. But I'm hoping that now that I have some new material, I'm hoping now that I'm going to have the EP out, like one song will lead to another. There'll be some momentum with the whole thing. That's really what I hope will happen. If you already hit 70,000 on Spotify, my friend, that is pretty notable, I gotta say. Well, that's great to hear. Unfortunately, the royalty of streams is like pennies. But anyway, that's another subject. But the main thing is that I hope we're going to build on that with this EP. Well, here's the positive about that. And yes, I understand about not getting paid. Believe me, I don't make a penny on Pacific Coast FM. I don't make a penny doing podcast however you know it's not about always the money correct i mean we all have an art that we're all working for it's it's the big picture so to speak however seventy thousand people clicked on it i mean how many people would love to get anybody to hear stuff i can tell you from my personal point of view we have products that we give for promotional sake people won't even take them sometimes so getting someone to actually willingly click on your song and listen maybe it might be for 10 seconds, 30 seconds. That's a task in itself. Yeah, I think there's nothing harder to sell than new music that just listen to the same old songs over and over and over again, which is great. But getting people to listen to new music is very difficult to do. Absolutely. In today's landscape, especially because one thing right now, here's the the weird manifold uh, theory behind that is people want new music. They don't want the 
the change. See, we're all so comfortable with what we like and what we enjoy. We don't want to step outside of the box. I'm talking about we, the buyer, not we, us. And so you're in this weird little niche where it's like, okay, I want to create new music. Same thing with the podcast or anything that I promote for Pacific Coast FM. I don't get a lot of people that'll like it. and But you know what happens the moment that you stop doing something, they're going to ask you, like say if, if Studio Deluxe, if you just start working on another project, they're going to go and retro retroactively talk about your project as if like, hey, you know, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that, that <laughs> music, even though they're not buying it, even though they're not, you know, listening to it, but people are listening, people are watching and believe it or not, as much as the other music is still popular, that's all more sentimentally uh listen to it's not necessarily what people want people want new music it's just hard to persuade the audience now more than ever because yeah it's just so readily available for anyone to just click on anything on anything yeah the attention span is ridiculous right it's reduced to to nothing it's one of those conundrums you know the best thing to do is just keep doing it it's like you're unzipping a new bag of rice or a new bag of food for people and people aren't, are afraid to try the meal, but yet they're still hungry. That's the way I look at it. And so anytime you release something new or come out with a new product or produce something else, you're essentially giving someone new food and they are eating. It's like you're feeding birds and the birds don't want to come close yet. When you turn your back, there they are. So let's talk about you as a musician. What's your background story? I started playing early on, probably fourth and fifth grade. I started playing trumpet and then my uncle's drums and then we had a piano in the basement i was messing around with that and then friends of mine we started a band early on we were sixth seventh grade and we already were trying to play in a band so it was just sort of the natural thing i never stopped wanting to play music which you know sometimes there's people that stop along the way where they don't get back into it or whatever they do but I never stopped doing it. Who are and, the artists that you were listening to that, that influenced you to pick up? I know you play trumpet, so the, definitely Chicago probably or Earth, Wind & Fire. But what made you start arranging? When did you get to the point when you said, hey, I'm going to put projects together? I never had my own band. A lot of times I was one of the leaders in the band kind of thing. Certainly musically, I would always be one of the leaders, if you want to call it that. But I never had my own band. You know, I was always one of the guys in the band. So I'm not used to being the leader. And I really don't want to be a leader. I'd like to have a partner. So in this, I am the leader of this thing. And I don't know if I'm good at that part of it. But <laughs> as for growing up musically, yeah, Chicago was my band. Like I heard a guitar solo the other day and I was just learning it by Pablo Cruz. What you gonna do? That song. And there's really a, a good guitar solo in the middle of that song. And I pretty much learned it. That's what I always did. Like if I heard something, I had to try and figure out how to play that thing. And you learn how to figure things out. Then you learn how to arrange things because you're picking apart. How is this thing put together musically, you know? Well, yeah. I honestly think that Dave Jenkins from Pablo Cruz is the first lead guitar player to play a finger tap solo in a top 10 hit with that oh, song. I don't know the names of any of those guys. What song did he play? What are you referring to exactly? 
Dave Jenkins from Pablo Cruz. He's a guitar player. So, and what you gonna do? You know the part that goes, you know the lead at the end of the lead. Yeah, yeah, that part. So I could be wrong on this, but as far as I'm concerned, he's the first lead guitar player to play a finger tapping solo in a top ten hit. Oh wow! Think about it. I think it was the bass player who had an incredible voice too on that song. There's two singers on that song, which used to be so cool, you know, that different guys in the band would sing, like in the Beatles and the Doobies in Chicago. Ambrosia had two singers, too. People think David Pack was the only singer. No, Joe Porta sang, too. Right? That's how it used to be. Uh, The Eagles. It's funny that we're bringing that up, but that's cool because that's what I am. Like, I'm a guy that can sing in the band, but I wouldn't be the main singer necessarily. But certain songs... They work for me. But having, like I was talking about before, like having when Bill Champlin comes in, it's like, woo, you know, when you have different singers, it just makes it more interesting if they work together, you know, if they blend, if it works stylistically. It's more interesting to hear not just one guy singing every song all the time. (laughs) That gets boring. Yeah, exactly. It brings diversity. So let's give a little preview of your other single ain't good enough find studio deluxe where do we find your music i think it's easy to find nowadays studio deluxe it's going to be on spotify apple music youtube they're really going to be on my channel for youtube you can download it on amazon and it'll be available everywhere i think it's easy to find if you know the name studio deluxe so that's what we're trying to get out there and if you google my name it'll probably be associated with it but yeah studio deluxe is the project and I think you can find it wherever you listen. That's Studio Deluxe, D apostrophe L-U-X. That's right. It's D apostrophe L-U-X. Doug, it's been a pleasure having you here today on the Starboard. And for more information about Studio Deluxe, look them up on Facebook and hit that like button. And keep your eye out for when their new music is coming out. Studio Deluxe, they have two singles out right now. And go check them out. Find them on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, YouTube. But more importantly, like their Facebook page and keep updated on when their EP will be released. When will that be? December 2nd. You've been listening to The Starboard. I'm your Doc Master, Michael Atalano. Thank you for listening. To find out more about The Starboard podcast, look me up on Facebook. That's Doc Master Mike on Facebook. And there you can find links to our guest, and to our past podcast episodes.